everybody, and welcome to episode 19 of the Shine Sparkers podcast. I'm Amanda Van Heil. I'll be your host today. I am joined by Darren and Roy, and we also have a special guest, Eric Kozlowski. And why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do? We're so happy to have you back on the show again. Yes, thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be here again. Uh, so yeah, I am uh, a veteran of the game industry. been working in games for almost 20 years now. Uh, previously worked at studios like Naughty Dog and famously Retro Studios. Um, alas, I did not work on any uh, Metroid stuff while there, but still worked with a lot of great people who did work on the, on the Prime games. Uh, now I'm art directing at an independent game studio called FuzzyBot. And yeah, just a big fan of uh, of all things Nintendo and and Metroid. So really excited to to be part of this discussion today. Awesome, and we are of course excited to talk with you. Now, warning for everybody listening: this podcast will contain spoilers from the newly released Metroid Dread. So if you wish to avoid them, you might want to wait a little bit to to listen to this until you've played the game yourself. thing we're going to be talking about is the future of the traditional Metroid series. I know we've been playing Metroid Dread since it came out back in October, on October 8th, I believe, and it's introduced a lot of people to Metroid and given a good appreciation for that style of gaming. So where do we think we are going to see Metroid go? What do we want to see from Metroid, especially like with a new story arc and all the lore that they dumped into the new Metroid Dread? You know, for me, uh, I mean, Metroid has had such a storied history now at this point. I mean, like we're coming up on what, like, is it 35 years coming up? So, yeah. So I I know this might be an unpopular opinion, but I'd almost like to see a complete reboot, you know, like keep the themes of of what Metroid is, but, but kind of, you know, clear away some of. And I don't mean this in a bad way, but the baggage of, of, you know, having five um, main titles in the traditional kind of series. Uh, and maybe like have a new character or, or um, you know, but, but keeping with the power armor and, and stuff like that. So kind of like what they did with Tomb Raider, with like the newest Tomb Raider, how there's like kind of the, the new Lara Croft, so to speak. Yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, or you could even just do like a new, um, I mean, I don't know if I talked about this the last time I was on the podcast, but like one idea that I, I always thought would be fun was like a passing of the torch kind of thing where almost like Samus becomes a, a mentor figure to a new bounty hunter. And that kind of teaches her like how to kind of, you know, make her way in the kind of galaxy and stuff like that could be like really fun. Seeing Samus as like a kind of Obi-Wan type of figure, um, something like that could be really cool. I mean, just to kind of clear away a lot of the, you know, because we're getting it long in the tooth now with like every time Samus goes to a new planet, she loses all of her abilities and has got to get them all back. And, you know, it's like stuff like that. So I think if you kind of clean the slate, I think some of that stuff becomes a little bit more digestible, I guess. I really like that idea, um, especially like the idea of her being kind of a mentor figure. And I could see how that would be a nice way to incorporate the losing all the abilities. Well, rather than losing all the abilities, this character is and having to relearn them. This character is learning them for the first time. And so that way you don't lose Samus by having her there the whole time, like teaching her how to do things. You just have samus jr so to speak or whatever we want to call her samus i'm calling her sammy jr (laughs) and 
she would be the one learning it. So she would be getting to do like the morph ball for the first time. And she would be able to use like the different blasters for the very first time and the little grappling thing and all of that. So I think that would be really neat um, because it doesn't lose the heart of what Metroid is. And it maintains like maintains the whole series and it's just they're not having to just come up with a okay what do we do about samus this time like what kind of trouble is she going to get in this time yeah i mean i mean you could do something like uh even you know like samus gives this character like a blood transfusion to save their life and that's why this character can use the power armor because she has some some of that dna in her her blood um so you know things things like that and then therefore maybe samus feels like a, an obligation to uh mentor this character because you know they're they're kind of linked in a way, um, yeah. And, and I think uh, I don't know. I, I think it could be really fun to to see it from a fresh angle. Um, but I think also like how do you move forward now that there are no more Metroids? I mean, I guess technically, spoiler, um, Samus is a Metroid um, now. So I guess that's how you can kind of keep that that naming convention of Metroid. Um, but you know, like I guess with a new character, you don't have to really call it Metroid. Although I mean, there is an IP kind of thing with that. You want to have the brand name associated. You can't just call it like Samus Oran. Um, but I guess I don't know. I guess speaking to Tomb Raider, they kind of did that, where they kind of started to use Lara Croft as almost like the bigger IP identity over Tomb Raider. But I'm not so sure a lot of like lay people. Uh, know who Samus Aran is. They just know Metroid. So there's some tricky. There's some they, they, Nintendo kind of backed themselves into a corner a little bit with naming it Metroid. <laughs> they can always bring back more Metroid DNA. They can make yeah. that happen. I've seen enough Pretty Little Liars over the years to know that just because somebody's gone in this episode doesn't mean they're not coming back. I've seen characters die many times on that show. <laughs> we all thought Kraid was gone, and then he came back. But at some point, it becomes just like uh, shoehorning them in just because you have to, like right. uh, a certain pterodactyl dragon creature <laughs> in Metroid who was not in Dread. I was about to say, I'm like, please tell me I did not miss him somewhere in Dread and he was there and I didn't know. <laughs> you didn't. He's not there. Okay. The only okay, The only place he's there is uh, one of the drawn endings, which shows a bunch of Metroid characters. Oh, okay. That's different. Yeah. Yeah, I thought the one thing that you could do if you really wanted to, to get some Metroids back in is that you can retcon the ending of Super Metroid and the little kind of dot that comes out of the side of the explosion of Zebus. You could be like, oh, that was Space Pirates escaping with Metroid DNA. And they went to like a secret facility that Samus didn't know about and they continued breeding Metroids. Because um, it never says that those are the, the, the animals that you rescued. You know, it doesn't explicitly say that. People just assume that's who it was when, when Zebus explodes. So if you wanted to, you could retcon back. Oh, no, those were just space pirates that were escaping the planet with Metroid DNA. And that's how you keep Metroids in the series. Not to pour cold water, but I think one of the developer interviews confirmed that that was the animals. Nope, retcon that. <laughs> no, all right. Ignorance is bliss. <laughs> How were they flying a ship? They could they didn't even have opposable thumbs. <laughs> well, they did fly Samus's ship at the end of Fusion. There's a theory, however far-fetched, that they might have flown the wrecked ship off of Sepis because it was semi-functional. Oh, okay. yeah, I could see that. But yeah, but anyway, um, but I think even more from a gameplay standpoint, I'm curious what they would do with with a, a reboot of um or, or just even a, a metroid 6 of like gameplay wise you know are they continuing with that search action metroid formula or are they kind of introducing something new um 
like, I don't know if it would be better suited for a, a, a prime series game, but I, I could, and I know Nintendo's been kind of weird with the whole bounty hunter kind of moniker, um, but almost like taking, I like can open more of an open world thing of like taking bounties and, and going on, on, on more kind of bite-sized missions um, could be an interesting kind of take. I mean, I guess they kind of did it with prime three a little bit with some of the planet hopping um, where you weren't on one location for the entire game. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's interesting to see where they go forward gameplay-wise, not even just story-wise. For Metroid 6, I would like to see them subvert some of the conventions. Like, maybe instead of Samus losing all of her power-ups, she keeps them, she has them, and then there are different sorts of obstacles for which she'd need a new suit or new weapons, things that you can do with the Morph Ball. New combat techniques would be really cool now that she is metroid uh i think they should continue with that i think that we should be able to incorporate her metroid powers into gameplay somehow they will have to clear up whether she's lost them or just gained control of them i think she's probably just gained control of them but if you could use it to drain enemies as a finishing move or you know use it as a puzzle mechanic that could be pretty cool to watch I mean, what they could do is is um, is if she keeps over her abilities, but maybe she loses energy and they're not as powerful. And then so it's not about gaining the abilities back, but powering them up. Because the other thing with the, with the story is that with ZDR getting destroyed and, and SR388 getting destroyed and Zevus getting destroyed, are there any more like Chozo planets where you can get abilities from, right? Because that's, you know, Samus's abilities are always tied to their kind of gifts from the Chozo. So like, are you always have to be tied to finding a Chozo planet to get your abilities from. So like, I like that idea of she keeps all of her abilities. She's not getting new ones because then you don't have to be on a Chozo planet. You could be anywhere and, and maybe you're just like boosting them. You're making them better as you go. Maybe now that she is a Metroid, her the entire game is learning to crawl. And then <laughs> at the end, no one can say, why can't Metroid crawl? Because then she can. Well, she doesn't need to anymore. She can slide beside the point that is beside the point doesn't go with the meme (laughs) (laughs) people would also not be wrong to call her metroid anymore exactly so now everybody can be like why can't metroid crawl well the whole next game is all about metroid learning how to crawl Hmm. going back to the chozo i think now that samus has seen two living chozo plus however many x infected chozo maybe her next mission is going out in search of old bird and the other Zabesian Chozo, because Mm -hmm. the manga sort of delves into her past, and it shows Old Bird and the other Chozo from Zebus. They were evacuated from Zebus before the events of Zero Mission, but we don't know where they went or if they're even still alive. So her mission could be about finding other Chozo, and then if it's on just this remote planet without much technology, like maybe they're underground, uh, the Chozo, then you could have a sort of open world situation where uh, you have these beautiful environments without much technology, but uh, it would also give the chance to introduce a new sort of threat. Like, what if she lands on a planet thinking maybe there's Chozo here, uh, and then she finds there's some threat that could be dangerous? And she decides to stay until she's neutralized it. And so she has to power up her already existing abilities while looking for the Chozo. Maybe the threat would also be the Galactic Federation, or at least the whatever element of it 
uh, was behind the ending of Fusion. Dread didn't really address that. Even though it looks like some of the conspirators in Other M were arrested, there were still some who wanted the X at the end of Fusion. And because Samus blew up the station, they're going to be wanting revenge. So maybe they'll try and hunt her down and threaten her in some way. So there was a lot to digest with Metroid Dread, and it's still very early to kind of think about what I might want to see next. Um, But there's two things that I'd like to see. Another story that is Metroid 6, that is a new story arc. There's no uh, Metroids, there's no X. Maybe there's something else. Maybe not necessarily Metroids. What about what the Metroids were created from? Maybe there's a creature somewhere that's being kept off-world that they're potentially going to use to make more Metroids. So it could be more Evil Chozo, it could be the Federation, it could be some completely new um, characters. Maybe the Kricken Empire from uh, Hunters or something. Maybe that could be a Uh, some kind of crossover there between the classic and the prime games or maybe we could have a origin story something that takes place before the first mission something that involves the chozo because we've seen the chozo now maybe we can learn a bit more about samus's past in more detail because these are characters people understand who the chozo are now characters that are depicted in the manga and put them into the game and maybe there's uh, some kind of test that samus has to do uh, to sort of earn her right to go off to, I don't know, the Galactic Federation police. Yeah, I think there's there's definitely an opportunity there to sort of go back and uh, the manga and the earlier story and just refine that a bit more. Because I, I don't think we should retcon. I don't think we should, uh, like, reboot the whole series. Because Metroid is probably the only franchise that Nintendo has that does actually have a story and it seems to be relatively consistent compared to the other franchises. Uh, looking at you, Legend of Zelda, and I think, <laughs> <laughs> and I think that that would be a really good opportunity just to sort of um, put it into, uh, you know, into, into into cast and say, hey, this is this is Samus, this is who she is, this is who she became, and then you could then go back and make a story between uh, maybe Fusion and Dread. And explain what happened to the animals because we didn't see them in dread uh, maybe we could find out what happened to the metroid breeding program so i think that that's that's where i would like to see the future go we'll probably see metroids in prime 4 almost almost definitely but you mean like the tr- traditional series in, yeah we're talking purely about the traditional series today aren't we i mean but do you feel like looking at you know and and i come from you know, playing Metroid 1, 2, and 3 as they were released. Um, I don't know. I feel like all this, like, kind of, like, story stuff, I kind of, I feel like Metroid loses a little bit in its isolation and mystique and just, like, its kind of um, dark quietness. You illuminate the, the history of the characters. You lose that kind of, like, like, I don't want to know what the wrecked ship is. Like, to me, that was always kind of a creepy... Um, element i'm like what is this ship here you know like it it looks like something from a 1950s you know sci-fi movie um you know like lost in space or something like that like with the robots like my imagination filled in the blanks in a way that like made it so mysterious and cool and like that's why when i found out that like oh ridley you know killed samus's parents i'm like well that's kind of convenient right that she's fighting ridley all the time and and i'm like isn't it more interesting if he's just this you know mysterious bad guy and 
you know, oh, Samus has chosen blood and, and that's why she could use these abilities. And I'm like, okay, again, that's kind of convenient. I don't know. I'm, I'm of the mindset that I, I want I want to know less about this world. I, I want it to be a mystery that is kind of breadcrumbed with just enough information that I start to create my own headcanon. And that, I don't know, for me, maybe I'm in the minority there, but but and that's why I think like Other M and Zero Mission and even the, the canonization of the manga kind of like dilute the, the, the series for me a little bit because I, I kind of like, I, I, you know, thinking back to when I played Metroid 1 and, and Super Metroid, like there was this mysteriousness to it, this kind of scariness because it was so kind of cold and empty and, and you didn't know anything. You know, you didn't know what these like bird statues were. Um, you knew they were like this mysterious race, but you didn't know that Samus was raised by them and stuff like that. And, and, and I don't know, for me, that kind of filling in the blanks of everything. It's like what happened with Star Wars with the prequel trilogies. It's like I didn't need to know all that stuff. Like it kind of demystified the, the universe a little bit by filling in those blanks. So, and, but I get also like wanting to know about these characters that you care about. So like I see both sides of the coin, so to speak. Yeah, I mean, I would like to see... I mean, I'd like to see anything completely new regarding like anything with Samus, seeing her further her journey, because just because this part of it's over doesn't mean more things aren't going to happen. And then I also like the idea of Samus like raising a new bounty hunter, like there's an, another one that she has to teach. And I think that would be a cool concept as well. That way she doesn't leave. But then there's another one who kind of does the same as Samus. And then we can still have all the Metroid lore there. And it's just a continuation on it um that would be another way to do it for sure and i you know i definitely love that the 2d style or traditional style i guess is the best way to describe it now um is is maintaining like how it's i really like how the 2d style is holding strong like like it is yeah i mean i think there's been so many um excellent indie games that have proven that there's real life in that in that style of game you know hollow knight comes to mind um and i think yeah i think nintendo probably saw that and was like well we're the progenitor of this more or less um i know i know there's some other games that are kind of adjacent to metroid that that kind of have that style but but yeah i mean i think um i think mercury steam doing sam's uh returns remake was kind of like a proving that they could handle a full-fledged original game. And I think they did that beautifully. Um, you know, I, I have some nitpicky issues I have with Dread, but overall, like I, I, the word I used is I devoured that game <laughs> um, when, when I played it. So I, I would definitely be excited to see what they can, the torch, you know, pass to them and see what they could do with that, that 2.5D kind of style. And it's just a timeless style, like, it, there's a reason why it age has aged as well as it does, and it's just one that never really gets old, and you can enjoy it all the time. So, Eric, with your industry experience, we would love to hear your thoughts on Metroid Dread with the environment and just the art style of it, since you know it from both a fan perspective as well as somebody who has worked in the industry, so you see it on multiple sides. Yeah, sure. Um, and I want to preface this by just saying I thought that Dread was a gorgeous game. Um, technically, it's stunning to look at. I think the art direction overall was was fabulous. Um, the execution of, of just the, the the way the characters look, the way the environments looked is great. Um, you know, some of the things that I, while playing in, in just armchair, you know, art directing, um, you know, and I think this has been echoed in some reviews that I've read and, and statements I've, I've read online, is just that when I compare 
to Super Metroid, which is in my mind, like not just the pinnacle of the series, but one of the best games ever made. Um, it, it just like it, some things like didn't feel memorable to me, you know, like I, I think about Brinstar and Norfair and, and um, the wrecked ship, you know, like these are environments that I, in my mind, like I could just recall like the, you know, being in Brinstar with that pink area with all of the particles floating in the air and, um, you know, the green locations and things like that. And, and granted, you're dealing with a limited palette with Super Nintendo versus Switch. Um, but but one of the biggest gripes I had is that I felt like some of the environments just don't feel as memorable to me, you know, and like I, I can't even really recall all of them right now off the top of my head. And again, I've played a lot more of Super Metroid than I've played of Dread. But that was one thing that kind of like kind of bummed me out a little bit is like I didn't feel like there was anything like as memorable as some of the environments that were in like Super Metroid. And um, I wish there was a little bit um, more of a cohesion there in the way that the planet was connected. I, I feel like it felt very separated, especially in like how you tra- transported through like the cable cars to different areas of the planet. Like that did make the planet feel bigger, but at the same time, it made it feel a lot more separated. And so like you don't create those like connective synapses in your brain of like how the environment connects together um, the way you did in like Super Metroid, where you're like, oh, yeah, the, you know, the wrecked ship is right next to uh, Kratia. Am I pronouncing that right? Kratia? Kratia? Criteria. <laughs> Criteria. Thank you. Um, you know, it's like it's right next to it, you know, and then and then that leads back down into Meridia. So like I didn't really get that in in dread. Um and then yeah, then the other the other kind of issue that I had was um just some of the world building. Um one of the big like I love the fact that Kraid was back. Like Kraid is an awesome boss, that design is fantastic. The way they represented him in the game, it's the best that character has ever looked, but like I feel like a better job could have been done in presenting why he why he was there. And like, you know, you assume like maybe he's a clone, but like one cool thing that in the environment that they could have done leading up to the fight with Kraid is like maybe you're passing through a lab where there's, you know, specimens from Zebus in canisters that, you know, you're like, oh, there's a zoomer back there and they're they're, you know, so they're experimenting and it starts to progressively you see more and more. Maybe there's the version of Kraid from Metroid 1, you know, the, the, the tiny Kraid, you know, is it back there in a jar and you're like, oh, that's cool. And so that when you finally do fight Kraid, you're like, holy crap, they cloned Kraid. They're, they're, they're experimenting with him as a bioweapon. Or, you know, the boss fight that you had with the giant monster that was in the background that had the um, machinery poking, poking and prodding it, like that could have been Kraid. And it's like, oh man, they, they hauled the carcass of Kraid from Zebus somehow to ZDR. And then that's when the ex-parasite infests it and brings him back to life. That would have been a wow moment too. Like, holy crap, I'm fighting Kraid. I, you know, so like things like that, I felt like they could have done a better job of incorporating some of court fan service, court war, but into the, the world building. Because as it is now, like there wasn't really a lot of that. You got some Chozo statues in the background when you go to some of the upper areas. Um, but for the most part, I didn't feel that connection with the with the environment as much to to kind of create a, a real narrative connection to the game as a whole. Um, yeah, and then um, not so much like art direction or world design, but I felt like some of the things were confusing to me. Um, what is a great was a Greybeak was the the Chozo that that um, you speak to when he shows up at the end as an ex parasite, but then helps you. I, I was confused about that. I, I didn't understand why that was happening because he previously had reactivated the enemies to kill you. 
And so like, why is he helping you again? I, I didn't feel like that was an earned kind of story thing. And then why did Ravenbeak, yeah, why did he merge with Kraid at the end? Like I, that felt like an unearned uh, kind of like fan service moment for me as well. So like things like that, I, I, I hope that like if Mercury Steam moves on to a Metroid 6, like they can refine some of that because that, that felt a little clumsy to, to me. And it was interesting that you mentioned there about, you know, the fan service and making it connect because it was only 25 minutes ago or so you was talking about rebooting and like, oh, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't need to connect and all this kind of stuff. And I just found that well, quite right. interesting. <laughs> yeah. So, so no, I mean, like, they don't need to explain it. They just need to hint at it. And that's, that's kind of like my point is like, I don't need like a dissertation on like they had a whole cloning lab set up to clone the the creatures of Zebes. It's just like give like a little bit of of a a logic leap where you could be you can you can connect the dots yourself. Like put those breadcrumbs down. You know, you don't have to call attention to it. It could just be in the background. You don't have to shine a spotlight on these like cloning canisters. You could just walk past it. You can miss it maybe if you're not even paying attention. But it's there to kind of pick up the pieces if you want to create those connective tissues. And you, and when you're dealing with like they've already established that okay they are going to create this larger world. So if like that's the the paradigm that you you've established, then then lean into it. You know, so it's like you can't have both. You can't have this like mysterious unexplained world, but then also have this deep backstory. It's like you know if you're going to pick one, go with it. You know, if you if you don't want to explain anything, then yeah, then you can't have uh, a story drop where Ravenbeak uh, is explaining that he's your surrogate father, you know, like at the same time, then all of a sudden just drop Kraid in and not explain why Kraid's in there. You know, it's like they're trying to serve both masters there. And I think that it doesn't really work for me. Um, so so that's kind of what I'm coming at. So I'm like, okay, if you're going to lean into the story stuff and the backstory and the connective tissue of Metroid, then, you know, kind of insert some of that in there and, and hint as to why Kraid shows up on ZDR years after, you know, the Super Metroid story. Um, you know, why why does, um, you know, he merge with, with Ravenbeak at the end? Why does the X-Parasite save you at the end when previously it wanted to hurt you with the Emmys? You know, so things like that take me out of the experience. Um, but again, I'm kind of nitpicking because like I said, I still really enjoyed the game and I kind of devoured it over a couple of days. But, you know, when I look at it from a critical mind of like a, a game developer, you know, if, if I was working on the project, these are these are things that I would kind of want to, especially when you're dealing with something as big as Kraid, right? Kraid's, that, that was, Kraid's existence in this game is pure fan service, you know? So it's like, if you're going to put him in the game, you know, like do that, that you know, like execute that fully and kind of like build on it a little bit. Because um, like if you, you know, like tease up to it, then that payoff is that much more. And you're like, oh my God, you know. Um, and it's unfortunate that Nintendo chose to kind of spoil it in their trailer. I, I would have been beside myself if I had just played the game and suddenly got to that boss fight. and was like, what the, wait, what? <laughs> and, it, and it was the case for a few people that did manage to avoid all of those trailers, which was, was great to then go and watch their reactions when they streamed it. And it was pretty cool. But sadly, not as many as it would have been because they right. they really should have they really should have kept that one back. Yeah, you know, and and, uh, and I guess I, I might be in the minority here. I I felt like some of the the boss fights were a little too difficult. The the Raven Beak one especially, and I think back to the impact of the Mother Brain fight in Super Metroid, and and that wasn't and to me that boss fight was so much more memorable. Because it wasn't difficult, because it was more about the presentation of it. You know, it's like you're you're 
you're seeing how powerful the Super Metroid is on the lead up to the fight. You're seeing all the, the carcasses of creatures that the Super Metroid has drained. So you're like, holy crap, Super Metroid is powerful. You know, it comes in, it drains you, but then it leaves you alone because it recognizes who you are. And it's like, wow, that's really cool. And then you go on and you fight Mother Brain and then, you know, Super Mother Brain comes out of the jar and you, you know, and, and then the, the Super Metroid saves you. That whole like narrative lead up all happens through gameplay. And it's not a very difficult boss fight at all. And it, but it just has such an impact because it's, it's, it's a long play. You know, all this takes place over like 20 minutes from when you first enter into that chamber with the, with the dusty carcasses of creatures to when, you know, uh, Super Metroid saves you. And you, you, you look at the, the fight with Ravenbeak and it's like this pattern recognition, really tough boss battle. And for me, I'm like, man, it would have been cooler if it had been something more like a story-driven experience with, um, so, so Quiet, Quiet Robe, you know, like what if he had come in and fought against the, you know, destructive nature of the X-Parasite and, and did something to kind of help you in that final boss fight against, you know, Ravenbeak. Um, then that would be like, then that would make more sense about the ending where he shows up on the ship and, you know, saves you again. So stuff like that, I feel like for me as a player, I would have rathered a more story-centric end boss fight rather than one that was more gameplay-centric. But I understand that I could be in the minority for that because, you know, that was a challenging boss fight. You have to execute it pretty well. It, it forces you to use all of your abilities. So I could appreciate it on, on that end. But again, when I, when I compare it to Super Metroid, I'm like, man, I would have liked something that was taking a couple of cues from that. Um, so yeah, that's that's kind of my... Some of my criticisms with Metroid Dread, and I understand I'm probably in the minority of that, and listeners are probably like, oh, this guy's crazy. What is he talking about? You know, Dread is incredible, and it is. It's an incredible game, and it's definitely in the top uh, of, of, the, of the classic Metroid games for me, but it, it can't top. It can't top super, in my opinion. I don't think anything can. Do you think that's got something to do with like the nostalgia goggles there? Like you've played this game for twenty five plus years, and it's something that you've you've grown up with and you've you've loved, and it's inspired you. Do you think that's got? Are you like connecting? Are you being able? Are you able to disconnect from that and look at it objectively? Yeah, I, I think so. Because like again, like I think looking at just like some classic storytelling uh, devices that they used, um, and I think that that's kind of universal. And again, I think that's what the classic Metroid games do so well is that they introduce a lot of story through gameplay. And I think that whole end boss segment with the Super Metroid and leading up into the fight with Mother Brain, there's no cutscene there. It's it's there's no exposition drop. You and you're inferring all this from playing the game. And and I think that's just that's just solid storytelling. And I think that that's that's kind of part of the the Metroid DNA, no pun intended. Um that, that I think works so well in those classic games that I, I would have liked to have seen that more in Dread. You know, again, with the crate, like leading up to crate, like using the environment to, to kind of hint at why crate is showing up on ZDR um, to the fight with Ravenbeak is to, you know, explain, um, you know, and you could still have cutscenes like the, 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 the scene with Quiet Robe um, where, where, uh, Samus speaks to him in the Chozo language it was super cool and effective. And, and so like, yeah, doing that in a cutscene is great. So I think like marrying those two kind of elements together would have made for a stronger narrative experience in my mind. In my mind, you know, like Metroid is like Nintendo's more, and I use this 
term loosely like realistic franchise in terms of like how they render their, their games and and i and i think like the style that they brought like works for for metroid like again like seeing creed represented the way he was i was like that's incredible and the the art the team at mercury's team is amazing like i love the art that they did on the the lords of shadow games like those games are beautiful games um and so seeing that that skill brought over to metroid i was super stoked about it yeah i i think in terms of execution i think what they did they did incredibly well yeah, no, those, I mean, even, even their, their, their self-published game, uh, Space Wars, like the, the art in that game, like I, I, um, I, I've looked at that game tons of times and, and they've done a tremendous job with that game. Um, the art is really well done. Uh, I'm a big fan of, of Space Wars and, well, also its previous name, which was Raiders of the, of the Broken Planet. Um, so yeah, th- that team is amazing. I, I, I was excited to see them carry the torch for Metroid. When you have something that's, as well executed as Dread, it, it's um, the little things that just become that much more noticeable because you have this perfect thing. And then so any sort of perceived imperfection just shows up that much more noticeably because everything else is so well refined. So I just don't want to come off as someone who's like hating on it because I think it's a phenomenal game. And I'm, I'm you know, I'm, I'm so thrilled that they got a chance to to make this game. So, yeah, so I, I hope I don't come off as being too hypercritical of it. Um but uh, but yeah, but at the same time, you know, as as a fan of the series, you know, you you always want to see more, you know. So In the last episode, we asked you, what is your favorite boss or character from Metroid Dread? And you guys answered. So let me go through our Twitter and see what all you guys said regarding your favorite boss. Yeah, the mailbag is my favorite because I always love to hear what you guys have to say about everything. Let's see. Oh, here's a good one. The Arginator says, my favorite boss has to be experiment number Z57. It has the perfect blend of amazingly flashy attacks skill-based combat, intense boss music, and super satisfying Shine Spark secrets. Also, it just looks cool. It really does. It was great to see um, that character um, in the background being sort of like prodded and poked and tortured, and then it unleashes all of that onto Samus um, later, which is, is great. And the cutscenes, like the, uh, you know, the the melee counter scenes are fantastic. Like you just drag it oh those were so awesome and then it like falls into the lava at the end (laughs) it tries to drag her down with it and then it just falls and it turns into its core x before being incinerated oh bliss yeah it's a very fun boss it's a super cool design too like visually like it was really interesting looking i i i when i came into that boss i was like oh man this you know yeah its entrance into the fight was super cool it doesn't even have a name it's just like experiment <laughs> number which is uh again just adds to that mystery like what was it where did it originate from going back to what you said earlier about head cannon and sort of coming up with concepts and ideas and yeah it's really cool right right or, right like is it a native species to zdr or did they bring it there is it and like, is this like a failed bioweapon that that you know ravenbeak wanted to use um you know kind of thing so like yeah like that stuff's great like i, I love that they keep that mystery there yeah, I'm looking on here. It looks like a lot of you guys really liked the experiment, as you should. Um, 
what is oh i like this one mayor cam says come on how can you not pick bird daddy <laughs> bird daddy was fun leon's been calling him daddy egg i like it i think i cussed out bird daddy a few times i'm gonna start calling him daddy egg no i'm gonna call him bird daddy bird Daddy's the new name yeah another person let's see uh zach says bird daddy um, oh, this one, another one about the experiment. Hiba Hussein says, experiment boss. I mean, that was foreshadowed way before, and the phases were so cool it gave me digger nut vibes. Oh, Dread Prime 25 says, the Chozo soldiers with spears are absolutely badass and their theme too. So one of the funny story about that. So one of the Chozo sh- soldiers was like, the way it was walking, I thought he was moonwalking. And I was like, why is he moonwalking? And everyone's like, it's the way he's carrying his spear. I'm like, no, no, I know how to walk with like a weapon. And I don't do that. So he's moonwalking. And that's my story. And I'm sticking with it. Because there's only one that did it that way. <laughs> Maybe he was trying to moonwalk like Samus, because in Super Metroid, there's an option that you can turn on called the moonwalk, and if you charge a beam or just rapid fire, you can walk backwards while you're doing it. Oh, that's kind of cool. Yeah, Super Metroid was full of those kinds of things. It was amazing. Like it, That game really shouldn't exist. It's just got so much in there. It's absolutely ridiculous. Gonna read one more from Ethan Toombs. Do you think it has to be Ravenbeak? He really tests everything you've learned throughout the game, and the story weight and emotional weight really narrows in home harder. Especially how well cutscenes are interwoven into the gameplay. Okay, there are so many times that like I died because it was a cutscene that still had gameplay in it at the same time, and I didn't like react properly because I was just watching it like oh what's happening or like oh I was I was supposed to counter that that was an attack <laughs> oops <laughs> so I died many times doing that nobody said Creed come on they even had like a, a I know I was thinking that here too like come on you can like attack him through his belly button <laughs> Creed was fun they even like worked in like a, a sequence break cutscene for that which is super cool yeah, when I saw that, I was like, okay, I need to figure out how to do that because the idea of like Morph Fall shooting yourself into his belly button to make him explode is really funny. I thought it was funny. Which is absolutely gross, but it's such a cool idea. <laughs> I was just going to say, it's super gross. It was hilarious. Like everything, like I was laughing the whole time during the crate attack because it just looked like he had really bad like acid indigestion the whole time. And that's why he was like really cranky and stuff. That was my theory with him. I mean, the fact that they, like, have that whole, like, harness on him, it just, like, again, it, it plays to the fact that, like, this is a powerful character, that he's got to be restrained. Um, and it creates, like, this whole kind of, like, you know, like, oh, man, that's, you know, he's been tortured there and, you know, like, locked up. It's, yeah, the whole execution of that boss fight was super cool. Well, everyone, thank you so much for listening. Eric, thank you for joining us as a guest. We were so happy to talk with you and hear your expertise on everything. Thank you for having me. And we will see you next mission. Yeah, see you next mission. See you next mission. Later, everyone. She has the very suit, and then she gets the gravity suit back soon. Um, no, I'm going to start that again. So, Eric, having worked on games, uh, you know, sorry. And for me, I'm like, man, it would have been cooler if it had been something more like a story-driven experience with, um, I, I keep blanking on his name, Greybeak? Uh, quiet the, Robe. Quiet Robe. Thank you. It's actually called Flat Egg, but we don't, uh, we don't mind if you call him by his nickname, which is Quiet Robe. <laughs> Arginator likes my favorite bot. I said likes instead of like reading it. Sorry.
skill-based com skill-based combat. Eh, let me just try that again. Close the door. All right, well, let's look at next month's mailbag question. So next month, we ask you, at this point in the podcast, we would normally be introducing a new mailbag question. So apparently, I'm not doing that. You're not but doing since that. next month's podcast <laughs> is going to be a little different, there won't be one for next podcast. So keep your eyes on our Twitter account in January for more mailbag opportunities. So yeah, no mailbag question this episode, but keep your eyes on Twitter because then you'll see something because there's not going to be a next episode well there's going to be a next episode it's going to be a next episode just be, we're not going to have a mail there will be a next episode there just won't be a it'll just be different <laughs> <laughs> i promise there will be a ne next episode you can't get rid of us that easily like what if they show some prime four stuff at the game awards then you then you really have to you well, there'll definitely be a podcast then well, that <laughs> yeah. then that would be a breaking shine sparkers podcast of all of us going oh my god that just happened and that's just going to ruin the schedule that i've planned so <laughs> whatever This podcast was edited by Darren Kerwin, with music from Maserati. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can find more at shinesparkers.net, along with the latest Metroid news, community features, and exclusive content. Alternatively, you can also find us on social media at Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. See you next mission.